all say we want to have a blessed life, but what does that really mean? Is it simply having a nice car, a big house, new clothes? What if a blessed life isn't what you think? What if it's more about what you give away than what you hold on to? What if it's more about the contents of your heart than the contents of your bank account? How do we really live the blessed life? Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here today. You know, our crowds are starting to come back a little bit. We were BC before COVID. We were packed out. And then AC after COVID, it kind of dwindled down. People were online and now people are starting to come back. So look at the person next to you and say, I'm so glad you're here. Tell them that right now real quick. Yeah. Okay. And don't be... Don't be asking them for their phone number or text or anything like that. We don't have time for that right now. Do that after church, okay? But I'm glad. We, we were talking about Thanksgiving in the video. Did you notice that? And I'm, I'm excited because I go to Tennessee every year. My mom lives there. She's still alive. And we go up there for Thanksgiving as God intended. As long as she's cooking, we're going, right? So last year, I started a new meal plan because I'm diabetic. Everybody say, oh. Yeah, I appreciate that because you're sensitive people. So I went up there uh, and I didn't start my meal plan until November the 30th, which meant that for dessert last year, I had the meal at Thanksgiving. But then what did I have? What was my dessert? What kind of pie did I have? It's the only pie you eat on Thanksgiving. What is it? Okay, look, I'm going to have to educate you people. You don't know what you're talking about. Pecan pie is the Thanksgiving pie. Now, we do, they do make the sweet potato, and then our daughters would just get the sticky, gooey, sweet stuff off the top of that. Yeah, they have that. And then uh, what was the one you said? What was the other one? Pumpkin. My wife likes a pumpkin. And Okay, we'll let you slide. You can have both of those. But, but pecan pie really says Thanksgiving to me. I mean, really. And so my wife made me a pie, and I got to eat a piece of pecan pie. And so it's been a year and now I'm going back and it's Thanksgiving and I'm on this meal plan and I can't just eat stuff because I, as I say, I'm diabetic. So, but you know what I'm going to have for dessert at Thanksgiving? I'm going to have a piece of pecan pie. Now I told that in church in the earlier service today and this lady on the back row that I know who sometimes I'm almost sure she's the voice of my mother. She spoke up and she said, a small piece. <laughs> this is a tough woman, a small piece. It's been a year. It's Thanksgiving. Cut me some slack. I'd like to eat the whole pie. I said, didn't you ask me to pray for your surgery this Friday? She did. She really did. It's Judy Thorndike or her initials if you want to talk to her about it. So, you know, hey, but, but anyway, so she came up to me afterward and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, that's okay. Just, you know, because I, I said, I don't have to pray for you, you know, <laughs> but, but I will. I, so you can pray for her too. She's having a little surgery this Friday. But anyway, I hope you do have a great Thanksgiving. Now, let me tell you real quick, next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching at the beach at the, at the uh, 830 Sharkies. Have y'all ever been to the beach service? Sharkies, worship at the water. Sometimes if it rains, we call it worship in the water, and it's out there on the back deck. And that, listen, we have spared no expense with that back scenery that we developed there at the beach. It looks just like the Gulf of Mexico out there. It's amazing. And I don't need that competition when I'm trying to preach. It's all I can do to keep you awake in a dark room. <clears throat> a dark room, I say. Ran out of air. Anyway, which is not easy for me to do. So, anyway, I'll be preaching out there. But let me tell you, Farrah Karami is going to be preaching here. Can you all say that three times fast, Farrah Karami? Yeah. 
Farrah, carry me, Farrah, carry me, Farrah, carry me. Yeah, there you go. And she's going to be preaching next week at the traditional and the contemporary. She's some smoke. She can preach. We look forward to that. I'm going to watch online. But I hope if I don't see you, because I'm going to be leaving town after, after I preach and watching stuff online, I'm going to Tennessee. And so I hope all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Have a piece of pecan pie on me, just because I said so, okay? And I hope it's great. All right. This is the sixth and sixth messages that we're talking about a blessed life. And really, don't we all feel blessed today? Abundantly blessed. We really do. Now, let me tell you, I got to tell you what happened. My mother called me the other day. It was two weeks ago, and she sent me a little letter. She, she writes me notes, tells me stuff. And she watches me preach every week, and she said, Enough about the money already. The people don't want to hear about the money all the time. I said, now, Liz, that's her name, Liz. I said, now, Liz, don't you, aren't you preaching? Aren't you, aren't you leading a Bible study right now on putting God first? Yes, I am. I really am. And I said, don't you tithe? Yes, I do. And I said, I said, don't you get, yes, I do. She said, in fact, I adopted a child. And I, and I said, is it me? I thought that was kind of quick and clever. I got the same response from her that I got from you. Nothing, nothing. She just went right past that and said, forget it, Joe. Okay. So anyway, she said, but enough about it. So then the next week, which was last Sunday, I preached. She called me, called me on the phone, and she said, okay, that sermon Sunday was really good. I said, wait a minute. You're the same person who wrote me a letter and called me the week before and said enough about money. I preached on money again. She said, yeah, but this one was really good. She said, you said that God is generous, both with a G, and that Satan is selfish. And then she quoted the scripture. And they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then the other things fell into place after that. And so she really liked that sermon. And she mentioned that she liked the jacket I had on last week. Just an added bonus there for you. So there, now you're wondering, well, what kind of jacket did you have on last week? I'm really curious about that. How many of you would like to know? There's not one person here who cares. Do you even know that I have a jacket on today? All right, let's move on. So this message is about the principle of multiplication. Multiplication is a mathematical term like addition, subtraction, and division. Multiplication is better when it comes to our resources because God is a God of multiplication. God can multiply the things that we have when we give them to him. Let me ask you a question. Would it be all right with you if God multiplied your resources today? Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? Right. So there's two principles from multiplication that I want to share with you today. And I want to take these from Luke chapter 9, okay? Let's look at the scripture together. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. Don't you just love that? You know, they go to Jesus with a problem and say, what are you going to do about it? And he says, you take care. And the Lord put it on your heart. You take care of it, right? But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go buy enough food for this whole crowd for there are about 5,000 men there? Now, many people believe that they fed 5,000, and he did. But it wasn't just limited to that because in Jewish 
culture at that time. When they counted, they only counted the men. They didn't count the women and the children. So really it wasn't 5,000 people. It was 5,000 families that were there. It was probably around 20,000 people. So feeding 5,000 was 5,000 families, not people, okay? And Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. And then he goes on and it says, um, Jesus took five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people, okay? And then they all ate as much as they wanted and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets left over of food. Now, can you imagine what it would have been like to be there in that situation, be one of the disciples, witness that miracle that day if you'd been there? Imagine that you're one of the 12 disciples and, and Jesus is just kind of making himself known. And you're on the Messiah search committee, okay? You've got a great candidate. This guy's been raising the dead and healing the sick, and we have a record attendance. We've probably got twenty or 25,000 people that he's getting ready to talk to. That'd be a good day, wouldn't it? We have that many folks show up. What a crowd, okay? And so it's a great experience, and, and so he's up there speaking, and everybody's listening. Now, about 12 noon, you're thinking to yourself, we ought to be wrapping this up now, right? <laughs> this is a time when we need to move on, but he keeps going. And you're getting hungry. And now he's still speaking at 1 o'clock and then at 2 o'clock. And then if it's football season, you've already missed the first game now already. And you're getting really ticked about it, right? And so now it's 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock. I'm not exaggerating. The Bible says when the day began to wear away, I think that the disciples formed a little committee, okay? And they're saying, when is this guy ever going to stop talking? We need a snack break. If I don't eat something, I'm going to die. And then they, they probably, one of them said, I've got it. Let's tell Jesus the people are hungry. Not us, but the people. Because he doesn't care about us. He probably cares about the people. That'll work. We'll tell him that. And so they go up to Jesus and they say that. Now, pretend you're elected to be the spokesperson. You're the one that the disciples have kind of shoved forward to go up to Jesus and tell him while he's talking to thousands of people that it's time for a snack. And you say, um, uh, Lord, um, excuse me, excuse me, Lord, time out just a minute. Listen, this is really good. We really enjoy this. And we great, we, it's great that you're bringing this whole series in this one message this afternoon. We think that's wonderful. And, and I was telling the guys, I could go all night. I mean, I could listen to you all night. But some of the people are hungry now, and they want something to eat. So maybe we better wrap it up. And Jesus says, so you're concerned about the people, right? And you say, yeah, it's all about the people, Lord. And then what does he say? Pretend you're that disciple and Jesus says, well, if you're concerned about them, you feed them. That's what he tells them. You feed them. I love that because I've adopted that whole approach in ministry. Over the years in my ministry, when people come up with a great idea in the church and they come to me and they say, Joe, <clears throat> I've got this great idea. Woodlawn needs to do it. And I say, that sounds like a great idea. That's wonderful. Listen, I'm so glad the Lord put that on your heart. 
You know, he probably put it on your heart so that you might do something about it. So go do it and come back and let me know how that goes, okay? I had a guy one time came up to me. He said, my previous church, we had a young adult Sunday school class. It was wonderful. I noticed we don't have one here. I think we need one. I said, I do too. When are you going to start that? Let me know how that goes. And the guy started the class and he taught, He would tell that story after that. And that's when they decided to print those t-shirts, just say no to Joe. And I said... And I said, you can do that, but on the back, you've got to say yes to Jesus, okay? You can say no to me all day long as long as you say yes to Jesus. But Jesus did that. If you're so concerned with him, if God has put it on your heart, maybe he did that for a reason, you do something about it. Now, you have to go back and report to the committee. Did you tell Jesus that we're all hungry and want to go? Yeah, I did. What did he say? He, he said, we need to feed them. What? That's even worse now. Now they're really upset. They, they thought, man, we shouldn't have sent him up there. We've got to give them something to eat. This is a disaster. How are we going to feed all these people? But then they look around, and they notice this kid that's got a long John Silver sack. And it's got a snack pack. It's two pieces of fish, and it's got extra rolls, okay? So they say, Let's tell Jesus this is all the food we can find. It won't be enough, and he'll dismiss the people. We'll all get to go home, right? Doesn't that make sense? Sure it does. And so listen to me. It doesn't make sense that he's going to be able to take care of this need with so little, but here's what happens. Tithing doesn't make sense. You can just remember that and apply it in your life. Doing it God's way doesn't make sense to us, but it works. So if you go back to Jesus and you tell him, we only have these two pieces of fish and almost six rolls because I think Peter ate one of them. Okay, this is all we have. So we're thinking we should go with our original idea, dismiss everybody, they can go their own way and eat. And the Lord says, okay, that'll be great. Make them sit down in groups of 50. And they're going, okay, I don't think you heard me. I'm trying to be clear. We don't have enough food. We, we can't feed them. And Jesus says, great. Just make them all sit down in groups of 50. I love that. And as the disciples are getting everybody to sit down, one of them might have remembered in his mind a scripture from the Old Testament, just as Jesus is about to perform this miracle. It's from 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, and it's where Elijah fed a 100 men with 20 loaves of bread. And the bread multiplied, and even there in the Old Testament story, they had some left over, and they just couldn't eat it all. I bet you when they did that, and they're thinking, Jesus is going to pray over this food, and it's going to multiply right in front of us, and we're going to see a miracle. And a lot of Christians believe that's what happened is right then it multiplied. But I want you to look at verse 16. It says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two, bread, two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then... Breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. So here's what I want you to catch. Jesus blesses the bread, and he breaks it, and he gives it to the disciples to distribute to the people. And I want you to imagine that you're Peter, and you're getting the bread, and you're taking it, and you're looking at it, and you're going... You know, there's this much and there's this many people. How in the world are we going to feed this many people? And being Peter, he probably walked up to the first person and said, don't take a lot, okay? Don't, be, don't make a pig out of yourself because really there's not a much to go around, right? But Jesus told them to give it away. And I want you to see what happens 
when the master blessed it, put it in their hands, and the disciples gave it away. That, that is the plan for you and me. God blesses it. He gives it to us. He says, now, you take it and be a blessing to someone else, and I will multiply it. And that's exactly the way he wants us as disciples to put that into practice. And so the miracle didn't happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. Every time somebody learns to tithe and they start doing it and practicing it, they're amazed at how God multiplies and provides for their need. And they think, I'm just going to have a little month left at the end of my money, and somehow God just makes it more, and you're blessed by it. So the first thing I want us to see is it has to be blessed before it can be multiplied. We've learned in finances that if they're blessed, we give the first 10% to God. And the Bible says bring it to God. Why? Because you can't give it to God because it's his already. So you bring it back to him and you give it in that regard because it's his. It belongs to him. We talked about that last week. Jesus himself receives it and blesses it and it blesses our finances. Some people give a little here and a little there <clears throat> and they think they give a lot, but they don't really give the first 10% to God and their finances will never be multiplied. What if the disciples had given away the two fish and the five loaves of bread before Jesus blessed it. You'd have to bring the first 10% to God so he can bless it. The preacher tells this true story of an example. He said he was teaching some people in the church that he served, and they had already written a check, and they had written a check for 5% for a tithe and 5% for a missions cause. It was a good cause in the church. And the preacher explained to them the first 10% is God's. It belongs to him. So you give it to him through the church, the place where you worship, the storehouse. You give him the 10%. Then if you want to give to missions above and beyond that, you go ahead and do that. That's fine. That's your gift. That's your offering. But the tithe belongs to God. So the couple tore up their checks and they wrote another check. And this time they did the 10% and then they gave away the gift and offering beyond that. And he said that happened on Sunday. On Monday, they received a bonus that they had been waiting on for months. And because it was so late, not only did they get a bonus, but they got an amount back that was the exact same amount that they had just given because the company said it's been so long in getting there, we're going to pay you a late fee. And you can think that's a coincidence, but the preacher and the family said, we know that it's God. The second, it has to be given away before it can multiply. The first principle refers to tithing and bringing the first 10% to the local church for his blessings. But once he blessed it, you can give over and above that. You can give extra. You can give money to the We Care Ministry once you give his tithe to him. Then if you want to give a gift and offering, if you want to share something with We Care because of the food ministry there to help people in need, then you can do that. Other missions organizations, that's fine. But, but it has to be given away. What if the disciples had eaten the bread that Jesus had blessed? It would never have been multiplied. There are a lot of people who will tithe, but they don't give anything over and above. But it has the potential to be multiplied if they do in the same way the disciples had to give away what they had for it to be multiplied. 
We have to give it away for it to be multiplied. There's another reason many believers never see the miracle of multiplication in their finances. Sometimes those who are tithing give little or nothing over and above the tithe. They don't realize that that which is given away can multiply. Now there's a difference between tithing and giving. Tithing is simply returning to God that which he says is his. Giving is our first fruits. We give the first 10% to God through the local church, and it's what causes it, that which is ours to be blessed. In other words, our gifts and offerings. You can't give something that really doesn't belong to you, and the first fruits belong to God. The rest of it is yours to keep or to share a little of that if you'd like to as well as you choose. And from that account, that's called your offering or your gift to God and to others. Tithing isn't really giving, it's returning. It's bringing back to the Lord what's already his. Thus, the second principle of multiplication, that finances must be given away or shared in order to be multiplied. God really wants to bless our finances, but when they're out of order, God can't bless things out of order. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. He's a God of creation. God is our source, and let me tell you, you and I cannot outgive God. There are people here today who could stand up and give a testimony about that, and they could say, you know, I tried this, and I was amazed at what God did, and you really can't outgive God. God is keeping up with that. I remember years ago when Laura and I were really struggling, we were going through infertility, and we were writing checks, and we didn't have that kind of money, and the insurance wasn't paying anything. We were trying to have a baby. And we would write checks sometimes $500 at the doctor for a procedure. $700. We didn't have that kind of money. And finally, when the money ran out, we just said, we, we can't spend any more money. We've spent all we can spend. And now we had prayed about this anyway, about doing this anyway. We said, well, we'll adopt. We'll adopt a baby. And that's what we ended up doing. In fact, we adopted two children. We didn't know at the time that when you do that, you know, when you special order, when you custom order, you get what you want right? And so that's what happened for us. And we always told our kids that we were adopted. They adopted us and let us be their parents. And we're grateful that they did. And now we've got a granddaughter and we've ordered more grandchildren. They just haven't come in yet. Okay. Now here's what I learned during that time. When we were, when we were going through it and really were depressed and struggling through that time, we kept tithing to God. I mean, we were so out of it that I got some pants at the store and they had to have them altered. And a year later, the store called me and said, we're going out of business. You had these pants altered a year ago. Are you going to come pick them up? And it just, it just get my mind. I, I, I wasn't even really all there. I wasn't thinking clearly because we had become, you know, situationally depressed. I never knew about depression until then. But you know, God came through for us in such a tremendous way and blessed us. One thing is the church contacted us in January and they said, you know, you've been preaching a lot of good sermons and I hope you've been listening to them because we messed up on your pay for the last six months of the year. And I didn't even realize it. And I'm tithing and going down the drain. And they, they wrote us a check for $2,400 because that's what they owed us because they had messed up our pay. And then in January of 1989, of all times, Laura's Aunt Emma sent us a check. We didn't say anything to anybody. We just prayed. We just tithed. We just tried to do what we were supposed to do. 
she sent us a check in the mail for $10,000. And let me tell you, when that happened, it was an humbling experience. She said, I could have given you this to you when you came out of graduate school, or I could, have, I could have left it to you after I died. And then she said this, I'm not going to wait till my toes curl up to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you now when you can use it, when you need it. And I'm just going to sit back and enjoy watching you as you use it. And I mean, it was like, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. I mean, I always knew that God loved me, and I knew that he knew about the details of my life, and I knew that he cared about me. But man, did he come through. I didn't see it coming. I had no idea that that was even possible. And we were at the last, our last rope, at the end of the rope. God said, did you think I wasn't paying attention? I know the hairs on your head. Did you think I didn't know the details of your life? Don't you realize that you're my children? Don't you know that I care about you and your well-being? And I just wanted to give this to you because I love you. And I, and I hope that it will bless you. And it did bless us abundantly. And so Laura and I decided at spring break we'd take a little trip. We didn't know where to go. We were just so thankful to have some money and pay our bills and, and be able to take a little trip and pay for the gasoline in the hotel. And we went down to Orlando. We were living in Florida. We didn't know where to go. Where would two people who are struggling with infertility, trying to have a child, where would they go on vacation? Disney World? <laughs> Disney World? That's where we went. We didn't know where else to go. We went to Disney World. But we didn't go to the Magic Kingdom. They had just opened up what they called at that time MGM. It's a different park now. They had Epcot. They had that. And we went, and we had a blast. And one night we were having dinner. We went in this restaurant had dinner. And there was a bookstore next to the restaurant. And I knew that Laura had seen the bookstore. And I knew that we would be going to the bookstore for dessert. So we went in the bookstore, and because Laura loves books. They, the, the books are her friends, Okay. And she's got a lot of friends. Let me tell you, when we move, I have to take care of her friends, okay? So we're in this bookstore, and she's looking for a book. And I look, and I find this book. And, and it's just a little book. And it's a paperback, and it's an autobiography of Walt Disney. And I just pick it up. I'm at Disney World. And I start looking at it, and I start reading it. And it's fascinating. And I buy the little paperback, and I take it back to the hotel. And, and I'm laying on the bed that night, and I'm reading Walt Disney's autobiography that night in bed. And I read about all of Walt Disney's failures. And he had so many failures. I got depressed just reading about all the stuff that he went through. And the guy just never gave up. He just, he just bounced back. He just kept going. He just had a vision and he just knew it could happen. And then it gets to this one part of the book where it says, Walt Disney says, there was this one time when I got down. And I said, what was it that upset Walt Disney? What was it that got next to him? And he said, my wife and I were trying to have kids and we weren't having any luck. We weren't making any progress. And I promise you, I'm reading the book in bed and my eyes go up to the ceiling because I'm going, you really are paying attention, aren't you, Lord? 
And then he goes on, and you know what he said? He said, we, ad we adopted a daughter, and then later on we had a daughter, and we had two kids. And I didn't know it that night, but we adopted a daughter, and then we adopted another daughter. And what a blessing that was for us. You see, God, he comes through at the time when you need him the most. And that whole experience was about faith and God strengthening our faith. God letting us know that he keeps up with us, that he knows what's going on, that he's paying attention and that he cares. And so we can trust him. If you can trust him with your salvation, you can trust him with money. He's trustworthy. You can trust him with anything. He's God. We've been talking about this for six weeks. And people have done one of two things. They've either embraced it or they've continued to make excuses for their disobedience. The Bible says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And all God's children said,